Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on forgiving and moving forward. Exodus chapter 14. I want to read you guys a little story. It's going to take us just a minute, but I I want us to read through this story uh, in Exodus chapter 14 of the children of Israel when they come to the Red Sea. Okay? Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying... Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pihakiroth. All right? That's how you say it. I looked it up. Between Migdal and the sea, you shall camp in front of Belzephon, opposite it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. All right, you notice that? If you missed that part of the story, you missed a really great part of the story, okay? Because the children of Israel ended up in a place that seemed as if they were lost on purpose, okay? They ended up at a place that seemed that they were lost on purpose. God specifically wanted them to go to a place that it would seem like they were lost. Everybody just take a deep breath. Any of y'all right now just need to take a deep breath and realize that potentially this place that you felt you were lost could very possibly be the hand of God allowing you to go there because of something great he has in front of you to discover. Just because we feel lost sometimes, we should not abandon ship. We should keep trusting and believing that God has a plan. Amen? So he led them to this place so that their adversary would have the wrong idea about what's going on. And their adversary, Egypt, Pharaoh, would say, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Verse 4, here it gets even more tricky. Thus, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he'll chase after them. Sometimes God's got you right where you want, he wants you. You seem lost, and he's making people chase you. <laughs> Y'all think just because you seem lost and just because everybody doesn't love you that you're in the wrong place. But God put them in the place and then specifically made Pharaoh chase them. Okay? So I'll harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians that know will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled... Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart. Did they just have a change of heart? Just, or did God harden their heart? So God made them change their mind. And they said, what is this we have done? We've let Israel go from serving us. So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. And he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out 
boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army. And they overtook them camping by the sea beside, oh, what was it again? Pihakiroth. All right. I didn't put my phonics down there on that time. In front of Bel Zephon. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. Okay? Uh, and they overtook. It's kind of amazing. A couple of things that were said during worship today is becoming overwhelmed, becoming overwhelmed by him and not becoming overwhelmed by our adversary. Now look. Go back to verse 9. The Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea. Did they overtake them? It seemed like they overtook them, but if God put them there on purpose and made them run there, then they did not overtake them. They were overtook. They thought they were overtaking, but they were actually overtook. It just hadn't been revealed yet. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Now, isn't that how we act when we think we're lost and people are chasing us, even though we're right where God wants us? But we think God is cruel, and he's mean, and he has forsaken us. When he's working, and he's moving, and he's directing us. We get it wrong, right? Where was I? All right, so it's because there were no graves. Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Sometimes we spend too much time crying out and not enough time moving. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, I just love this. Like, God doesn't leave himself out. Can you see him, like, huddled around like when you're in the backyard playing football or something, and you put little twigs on your hand, and you make a twigs, not twigs. Still talking about food, aren't I? <laughs> when you're in the backyard, and you got twigs in your hand, and you just eat them all at one time. No. When you've got twigs and little stones, and you say, okay, do this, and go. And so God's giving them instruction, but he doesn't leave himself out. He says, as for me, in case you want to know what I'm going to be doing, 
Behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after them. And I'll be honored through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. So again, he leads them to a place where it seems like they're lost. He causes their adversary to chase after them. And then he says, hey, don't worry. I'm going to part the sea, let you go across, and I'm going to harden their heart so they come after you again. Wait, I don't like this plan. All right, where was I again? Every time I look away, I lose my spot. Then the Egyptians will know that I and the Lord when I'm honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel that there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light as night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak. While the Egyptians were fleeing right into it, then the Lord overthrew, see there it is, thought they overtook, but they actually got overthrew, the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. I want to go a direction with this story today that I've never been, and probably no one has ever talked about it this way because it doesn't, even make sense except that God God would make it make sense today to communicate something to us. Have you ever heard the story of God hardening Pharaoh's heart and causing him to chase the children of Israel into the Red Sea and then drowning them all until they were dead on the seashore? And I want to talk about forgiveness today. 
And you want, we want to see our enemies washed up on the seashore. This is not a good story. All of y'all in here probably pictured people already <laughs> that you're hoping will follow you into the Red Sea and get drowned. But we know that we no longer wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. We do not wrestle against flesh or blood. God hardened Pharaoh's heart to position his people to lay hold of promise. God is more concerned about your freedom than he is your feelings. I know that he cares about our feelings because Scripture says that we don't have a high priest that is not touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one that was tempted and tried in every way, yet he did not sin. And so he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He is touched by our feelings. He is close to the brokenhearted, right? But he's more concerned about our freedom because he was tested and tried in all ways so he could know the feelings of our infirmities, but he, through that testing and through that trial, he knew no sin so that he could go to the cross for our freedom. And so for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So there's a joy in the freedom that he purchased for us to live in that supersedes the depth of any feelings of loss that we may have to walk through on the way to getting there. And so he's more concerned with our freedom than he is our feelings. And we have to understand, I heard a sermon one time, I don't remember exactly who it was, it might have been Bill Johnson, I think it was, but it talked about the back door to the palace or the throne. The back door to the throne is through rejection. I look back over my life and the greatest miracles that God did in my life came through rejection. And so God is going, we might as well just chalk it up, that God is going to use people to position us for promise and we always want him to use people to open doors for us we always want him to use people to do amazing things for us and invite us to higher places and give us authority and give us position but God is going to use people to close doors on you and God is going to use people to demote you from jobs that he wants you to move away from. God is going to use you. He's going to use whatever is necessary to get you to leave that place of, of uh, less and lacking of what he has for you. And he'll take whatever means necessary to get you to leave it. And so he will harden people's hearts. And things will change, and circumstances will change, and situations will change. And some people, just prepare yourself, aren't going to think you're the best thing since sliced bread. 
and it's okay. God knows if they thought you were the best thing since sliced bread, that would bring you to a place of fulfillment in your life, and you would abandon your pursuit of what he has for you, and you would settle for what they have for you. So there's some people that he doesn't let see your value, because if they do, they'll corrupt you. And so he's protecting you sometimes by hardening people's heart. But if we get stuck looking back at the people that have positioned us instead of looking forward to the promise that's before us, we will never move forward. Never move forward. When we're constantly worried about what happened, what slight took place, what thing that we think now is going to cost us our future because someone didn't do us right or someone did not give us the influence that they had or they could have and our dad didn't do this and our mom didn't do this and our somebody didn't do this and our boss didn't do this and our pastor didn't do this. Somebody failed me and so I can't quit looking at that and focusing on that enough to look forward to the promise and let God reveal the proper path I think it's amazing that God leads them to this place of that seems like they're lost intentionally hardens Pharaoh's heart hardened Pharaoh comes after him when the children of Israel see Pharaoh they forget about the promise everything's good be bopping around then Oh, Pharaoh changed his mind. I guess now we're in trouble. Oh, man, changed their mind. Oh, man, God hardened somebody's heart to better position us. I guess now God's changed his mind, and we should just go back to Egypt. When they started looking at Pharaoh, they wanted to quit. They wanted to go back. They wanted to give up. They wanted to give in. They wanted to stop. Here's a beautiful thing. God sends the cloud behind the children of Israel, between them and Pharaoh, so they couldn't see them, and they went forward. This is a prophetic picture today, and do with it what you will. But the cloud was made up of the glory of God. And I believe you will position the glory of God between you and those that you feel have done you wrong through forgiveness. And when you put that cloud of glory between you and them, it will allow you to stop focusing on them and start focusing on the promise. And when you put that cloud of glory between you and them, it will cause them to focus on his glory, which will change them and transform them. But it's going to be because of forgiveness. And if we keep focusing on them, it's never going to take place. I want to look at Psalms 77. I've read this before. You guys have heard me talk about it. It's one of my favorite little nuggets in scripture when I saw this. 
in the New Living Translation, Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, oh God, its waters looked and trembled. Isn't that amazing? The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared, roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. This is my favorite place right here. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. I believe that many of us are facing Red Seas. Many of us are facing mountains that need to be moved. We're facing things in our life that need miracles. And instead of focusing on the promise of God being the miracle worker, we are focusing on the problem and we're focusing on the people and we cannot see the road that is already there. As long as they're looking back to Pharaoh, they did not see the pathway. So there's a pathway of promise before you, but you can't see it because you're blinded by unforgiveness. You think everything's good and everything's fine. I'm okay. I don't have hate in my heart. But you have these feelings that we don't define as hate, but they're just not good feelings. Every time I think of that person, I have not good feelings. Every time I think of that person, I think about, I, I forgive them, I let them go, but I do realize, I mean, you just have to realize what it's done to my life. See, you can say I have no animosity to the person, but if you keep f focusing on the problem that that person somehow caused, then that's not releasing that problem or that person. See, because forgiveness, because of the wrong slighted, brings in the healing of God, which restores whatever problem took place, if we can forgive. Right. But if we can't forgive, we can't release it. Look at, See, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Romans 8.28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 37, 39, But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquered through him 
who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other cre created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That covers everything and everybody. Any created thing is not going to be able to separate you from the love of God, so you can let it go. You can let it go. 1 John 5, 4 and 5, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcame the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See, this is the, this is the realization that Joseph came to in Genesis 50, 19. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. This is what he says to his brothers who beat him and left him in a pit, then sold him into slavery. And you know the horrific journey that Joseph walked. But he told his brothers, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph tells his brothers, what you meant to harm me, God meant for good. What the children of Israel could have told to Pharaoh if they had the chance is, hey man, you're probably going to die soon, but I forgive you. I heard a preacher one time say, you should be sending thank you cards to all the people that God used to position you for promise that you thought were rejection. I call people I called a guy the other day. I actually sent him a text message. I was on vacation just reflecting on the goodness of God. And I sent a text message to a pastor that fired me. And I said, man, thank you so much. That had to be one of the hardest things you ever did. I was one of your very first staff members, and that's such a difficult thing. And I can't imagine where my life would be if you had not done that. We should be, if we could, it, unforgiveness is an issue with faith. Joseph could forgive his brothers because he had faith in God. He could forgive his brothers because he realized that it doesn't matter what their intention was. God's got me. We don't truly believe that when we have unforgiveness in our heart. We truly believe that what matters more is what people can do for us than what God has done for us. That's where unforgiveness comes from. And unforgiveness is, will hinder you, will hinder your prayer life. Look at Mark 11, 22. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, here we are, you've got a Red Sea in front of you, you've got a mountain in front of you, be taken up and cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. 
Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Isn't that amazing? Man, if you're in a Red Sea, if you're in a mountain, you put your faith in action. If you believe, it will be granted to you. But just a little note, verse 25. But whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. Oh, man, mountains, Move, Red Sea, part. Why is it not happening? Why is it not working? I believe the power of prayer is praying the right things. And so I believe when you're standing before the Red Sea, Moses, I don't know, maybe it's just my crazy thinking, but... I think Moses saw the road. And so Moses put his faith with what God did. Put his faith with what God said. And he saw the road. And so you can have a mountain, you can have a Red Sea, but I believe unforgiveness prevents us from seeing the way to pray. Seeing the way to come into agreement with God. But see, because right orderness with God, he says, I'll make crooked places straight. I'll make high places low, okay? I'll bring up low places. I'll make rivers in the desert. I'll do all those things. But that is for people that come into right orderness with him and they walk in the path that he leads and they, and, they, and they stay on the course that he's provided for them. And so when we're in unforgiveness, I genuinely believe the provision is there. All of heaven is, the resources are there. Everything is there, but we can't see it. And so we're groping around in the darkness, telling mountains to move. And he's saying, the mountain that is supposed to move is right here and there's the place it's supposed to go and you're supposed to pray that way but you're over here focusing on the wrong thing. I believe Moses saw it and so when he led his face with it he put his staff right on the road. Put his staff on the road. And so we're just praying blanket prayers and crying out and whining and you know what God told him to stop doing stop crying out and move forward but you can't move forward in unforgiveness because you're looking backward you got to turn your face toward promise and move forward don't just sit around on the side of your mountain and cry don't just sit around on the side of the Red Sea and cry don't just sit around thinking about what people did. and Don't just sit around thinking about how you've been done wrong. Forgive. Yes. There's such a... You can't have faith to tell a mountain to move if you believe somebody in your past has the ability to put the mountain in front of you. 
You can't have faith in two. No, God can, no man can serve two masters. You'll either have faith in God or you'll have faith in man. You can't tell mountains to move and believe that the person behind you had enough power to put that mountain there. Then you're, you're conflicted in what you believe God can do. Unforgiveness says what you can do to me is more powerful than what God has done for me. And so you can't curse mountains that you have empowered through unforgiveness. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, that takes it to a whole other level, doesn't it? Not just that I've got unforgiveness, but my brother has something against me. Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. We don't want Satan to outsmart us. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, living, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. Our minds have been blinded by unforgiveness. In Mark chapter 8, we talked about just a few weeks ago, Jesus healed a blind man, and he saw men walking as trees. We know that that just wasn't Jesus running out of power because right before that miracle took place, he was telling his disciples, hey, can you guys, do you guys have eyes to see but not be able to see? And so he's giving them an object lesson. Here, do you want to be able to see like this? Do you want to be able to see men walking in trees, or do you want to see clearly? You can't see clearly to move forward in your life with unforgiveness. We treat it so lighthearted. I'm going to quit. I have more to share. Let me find this one. Ephesians 4. Last part of that says, Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. As quickly and thoroughly as he forgave you. Last week, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive. Do we want the mercy of God to the degree that we extend the mercy of God to others? How do we move forward? You guys stand with me today.
you feel lost, and you think it's Moses' fault. You feel chased or cornered, and you think it's your boss's fault. You feel pressure, and you're lashing out at people around you. God wants to reveal himself strong in your life, but you got to forgive. Forgiveness is like, unforgiveness is like idol worship. It really is. If you think what people can do is more powerful than what he's done, you really are shaping your worth more in what people have done to you than you are in what God has done for you. It's idol worship. How fragile does that make us? It means every time somebody slots us, every time somebody does us wrong, it totally derails us. It totally sidetracks us. It totally messes us up. Some of us are so easily offended, so easily angered, so easily lash out. And I believe it's a root of unforgiveness. You go 60 miles an hour, zero to 60, a lot faster than you should, means you're living at 50. You're living at 50. The slightest person, the slightest thing happens, you're at 60. Don't take much, it's disproportionate. Are your responses to the slights that people do to you disproportionate to what they've done? Do you find yourself constantly apologizing for overreacting? I believe it's unforgiveness in our heart. There's some overarching thing. We're still processing through something in the past and we just find a new person always to project it onto. Project it onto everything wrong. Project it, project it, project it, project it. You can't move forward till you forgive. Prayer team, will you come this morning? We went through Bait of Satan here recently, studying our life groups. John Bevere. One of the most challenging part in that study to me is praying for those who have mistreated you. Sometimes it starts out kind of begrudgingly. God, will you just help that person to see how crazy they are? God, will you help me not to want to kill that person? But can you pray that the glory of God would overwhelm them? 
John Bevere said in that study, he prayed for the man that everything he desired for his life, he prayed that would be for that man. Are there people you have a hard time praying for the fullness of the kingdom to come to them? Are there some people you think, I really hope they get what they need, what they deserve? Forgive as quickly and entirely as he forgives us. Release it. God, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that while we were sinners, while we were your enemy, while we were set against you, with no thought for you, with no care for you, that you loved us, gave yourself up for us. Who are we to sit in judgment of others? Us who have received such undeserved mercy from you. God, would you help us to forgive today? Would you help us to forgive today and stop focusing on the past and stop focusing on who has done us wrong? Could we put our faith in you today? Would you let faith arise in your people today to trust you, to know that your hand is working and moving in their life, to believe that all things work together for good, that nothing can separate us from your love. No created person has the ability to take from us what you have planned for us. Could we just put our faith and our confidence and our trust in you? God, help me not be distracted. and treated unfairly. Help me not lose focus on the promise. Help me not lose focus on the path. Prayer team's here if you want to pray with them, but everybody in your seat today, can we all be in a place of prayer? And if you need specific prayer, you want to come up and just have someone agree with you in prayer. Maybe help you release a debt, help you release forgiveness. But we, can we all make an altar in our own way today and search our hearts? God, is there any unclean thing in me? Would you create in me a clean heart? Oh God, would you renew a right spirit in me? Would you take not your Holy Spirit from me? Would you show me now any unforgiveness in my heart. Will you show me any unforgiveness in my heart? Anything that causes me not to be able to see the path through the sea in front of me, but constantly focusing on other things that makes me blindly feel like I'm in despair and loss. All the while you have made provision and a pathway. God, would you open our eyes today 
through forgiveness. Can we just release that burden, release that heaviness? Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 